Today we finish up uh, our time in the blessings here at the opening of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we've been uh, listening as Jesus kind of details these eight areas of character and, and, uh, and, er- and areas of discipline that, that mark the blessed life, the approved life. Uh, that God hopes for all of us. Uh, so we've been learning motions around those. Uh, t- we got two more today. This is the last time you're going to have to do this. Mark's the last time you're going to have to do this, but you got to do it today. Are you with me? I'm, I'm glad you are. Here we go. Everybody stand up. We're going to stand up and do these motions. Uh, as I've been telling you, if you're, if you're kind of new to us, we want to memorize God's word. Sometimes the motion's helping us doing that. And so my hope is that when I see you uh, out and about in the, in the, in the uh, world that we live in, you'll come running up to me at Sam's or Publix or wherever and just start doing these motions with us. Here we go. It starts like this. We, we, we figured out that blessed means approved of, so that's the thumbs up. And so we're going to start in verse 3 of, of Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says, blessed are the poor, and we, we pull our pockets out because we got nothing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, that's a dove, yeah, uh, because theirs is the what? Kingdom of where? All right, we got that one. Blessed are those, secondly, who mourn because they shall be, that's all right, give yourself a hug. Some people are new and they're like, really? All right, here we go. Uh, the third one was this, blessed are the And we shake our heads because even though we're strong, we set aside our strength because we want to defer to others and to God. So blessed are the, do it again, meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All right? And then we learn that blessed are those who hunger and thirst, and then we put blinders on, righteousness. We only see what God sees and what he wants. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they, rub it, shall be satisfied. Yeah. All right. I gave Travis the ones that were really hard to do motions for, but he did a great job with those last week. So we're going to skip to the ones that we're talking about this week. Everybody ready? Blessed, and then give me some deuces, are the peace, and then do this, makers. If you're making, this is my picture of making. You're making something. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters of God. I put the daughters in there just so you ladies know, you too. Here we go, ready? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters of God. And the last one's this, blessed are the, slow motion here, persecuted. It's like a rocky punch, you know, his mouthpiece comes flying out and everything. One more time. Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness. I forgot this the first service. Everybody make the check mark. Can everybody see my check mark? For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom, just like the first one, of heaven. Everybody ready? From the beginning. One last time. This is it. And then you're done for the next six or eight years until we preach this again. Here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who what? For they shall be what? Blessed are the? For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I had to look. Uh, Then we skipped the ones we're doing today. Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. 
And finally, blessed are the persecuted for righteousness. I guess we could do this. We already did this. Righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Give yourselves a nice round of applause. You did a great job. Have a seat. It's over. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for playing, brother. Uh, if you want to kind of check out and just, you know, uh, scroll through your phones like some you like to do while I'm preaching, let me give you the two things I'm going to say, and then you can just go. Have fun. Do whatever you do, okay? Uh, don't do that. I'm just, I know some of you do, but don't do that today. All right. Uh, first one's this. Uh, when we talk about blessed are the peacemakers, what, what Jesus is really telling us is make sure that you fight for peace. And then it's kind of an oxymoronic statement, right? Fighting, peacing, you know, at the same time. But fight for peace. I'll, I'll talk about that. And then the, the, the second idea that we're going to talk about today is that if you're following Jesus Christ, you need, and I'll explain this, but you need to go find some persecution. Find you some persecution. So we're like, what? That's what they said back then, just so you know. What? But that's what Jesus says. Blessed are the persecuted. Find you some persecution. Fight for peace and find some persecution. Those are the two things we're going to talk about today. It says in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and, of course, daughters of God. Peace. Anybody here like to live at peace? Anybody just want to be left to have their own peace? Just leave me alone. I just want peace and quiet. Yeah. Now, peace was this idea that God had for his creation. Peace is this Greek word, irene. Everybody say irene. Uh, it's equivalent in our Old Testament is the Hebrew word shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom is this word that you use in Israel even today to say hi to someone. You would say shalom. Yeah, just like that. If it's the Sabbath, you'd say Shabbat shalom. It's like a greeting. Uh, but in both of those words, irene, the Greek word, and shalom, the Hebrew word, um, we have way more than what is usually perceived as the meaning of peace. When we think peace in English, we usually think the absence of conflict. No strife. No stress. We're just living in peace. And while that's certainly a part of peace, it's not the entirety of peace, at least it's not as the Bible defines it. Irene, shalom, these are ideas that communicate wholeness. Uh, reconciliation. Who grew up playing with Legos? Anybody play with Legos? Yeah, I did. Uh, we would piece together whatever the, back before they had like all the cool, like this will become the Death Star Legos. It was just blocks. It was just Legos. And you'd have to like figure out your own, you know, means of building a house. But here's what would happen. You'd finish whatever you created and you'd be like, okay, I want to make something else. And so what would you have to do? You would have to just smash whatever you had just spent hours building so that you could start again. Uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, and everything else that we see uh, spelled out for us in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, he created everything perfectly, whole. Uh, the world and all of creation existed in peace. And then in Genesis chapter 3, uh, the humans, yay yeah, us, um, decided that we knew better than God. And so we broke the peace. We took everything that God had created for good and we kind of smashed it. And the rest of the Bible, just so we're clear, is the story of how God has sought through his um, redemption and reconciliation of man to bring his creation back to whole. 
He didn't just want to come uh, or be a part of our story uh, in, in such a way that he would remove the stress, remove the strife. He wanted to restore us, reconcile us to himself, to rebuild. And, and when you get to the end of the Bible, in Revelation, it talks about another garden in, in the new heavens and the new earth. It's going to be uh, the, the, the reinstitution of God's wholeness. His peace will reign on earth. But in between, what did Jesus tell us to pray when he taught us to pray? Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, you can say it with me if you want, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, so come please, Jesus, thy will be done where? On earth as it's where? Done in heaven. We as, as followers of God are certainly seeking to honor and glorify him and be as much like him as we can, but the side benefit, the product of that is that the wholeness of what God intended creation to be can be experienced by us in these little pockets of redemption and reconciliation. The blessed life is marked by the things that lead us back to how God intended life to be. So it's no wonder that peace is part of his plan. Yeah, it's, it goes way beyond just kind of separating two warring factions. When I was, uh, we were bringing up our kids, that would happen on a daily basis. Like, you know, we had three of them, so two of them were always fighting. Sometimes all three of them just went at it. It was a good time. Uh, and so whether it was fighting over a particular toy they wanted to play with or what show they were going to watch, uh, Eleanor and I would have to come in and referee. Sometimes it would get kind of, you know, hey, why don't you go to your room for a little while and why don't you go to your room a little while? And, and those parents, who's with me? Those are blessed times. When they're all in their rooms... They can't talk to each other. They can't yell at each other. There's a form of peace in the house. But good parents know that that's not real peace. That's just quiet. Real peace comes when we, after a time of thinking about it, we haul them back out of their rooms. And what do we do? All right, let's figure out what happened there. Who threw the Tonka truck, right? Okay, you threw it. Why'd you throw it? Because he threw the Etch-a-Sketch. Those are toys I played with as a kid. Anyway. All right, let's figure out why we were throwing stuff. And we start walking through it, right? We start negotiating. It gets all Camp David up in your house, right? And, and you're just starting to say, hey, man, can we figure this out? And then usually it ends with something like this. Okay, you need this to apologize for this, and you need to apologize for this. And the, usually the first apology isn't really apologies at all, right? Sorry. That doesn't count, son. It's got to come from somewhere in here, right? All right, I'm really sorry. Okay, is everybody ready to kind of go back to the day? Who wants to stay in their rooms all day? Anybody want to do that? No. So can we live in peace? That's what being a peacemaker is about. You're bringing back to whole what has been broken. Some people think peace is just appeasing. Can I uh, help you understand that it's not? They confuse peace with appease. Everybody knows what appeasing does, right? I'm just going to, you know, don't rock the boat. Live and let live. I'm just going to smooth over, you know, our rough edges, and I'm just going to keep taking it in this situation. Uh, we're, we're just going to pretend that nothing's really happening. And in our minds, we convince ourselves, that's peace. My experience has taught me that that's not peace at all. In fact, that's a time bomb. When I was a kid, we, uh, we, we'd blow up balloons for parties and stuff like that, and I was always the joker that was like, I wonder how much... I can blow into this before it blows up. Has anybody ever done that with a balloon? Let's just keep going. And it gets really big, right? Or maybe it was bubble gum. Whoever, who, who used to try to blow the big bubbles in bubble gum, right? Just get it as big as you could. You'd have a contest with your friends. Well, you'd just keep kind of blowing a little bit of air into the, into the bubble or into the balloon. And eventually what happens is, is, is science. Uh, there's only so much that this container, balloon or bubble, can hold. 
And when you pass that line, the balloon's going to pop. The bubble's going to be all over your face. And you're going to need to get peanut butter to get it out of your hair. Anybody remember that? Yeah, that's what happens to those who appease rather than truly seek peace. You don't know it, but right now all you're doing is filling up your balloon. The longer you go with just settling for appeasing over seeking to make peace, you're just blowing up your balloon, and there will come a time, unfortunately, where that thing goes. And here's what happens. When we finally come to the end of appeasing, usually what happens is we go dark. We think I'm doing a good thing by appeasing, but really all we're doing is setting ourselves up for going dark. Because here's what happens. We finally get to the point where we've had enough, and now we're angry at the person who has been breaking our peace. We're angry at the God who we prayed to over and over and over again to bring peace, even though we weren't interested in being a part of that process with him as a peacemaker. And so now we're dark on the person, now we're dark on our God, and the only thing that comes in that situation, as the Bible describes sin, is death. To relationship, to your own heart, to, to your connection with the God who made you. It's been too many times that I've gone over to a house where uh, a husband and wife, who I thought were perfectly fine, they looked great sitting as they sat in our church, would arm around each other as they were listening to me preach or whatever. And then I go over to their house, and he's on this side of the room with his hand in his head, head in his hands, head in his hands, weeping. Hand in his head. Anyway, and she's on the other side of the room with her arms folded like this. And he reports to me, she's leaving me. And I look at her, I'm like, or it could be the other side. She's saying he's leaving me. It, it, it doesn't matter. But someone in the room filled up their balloon. And it blew. And now they're done. And in too many cases, they're so done that the Holy Spirit can't even step in and, and, and reverse what has happened. The hurt is so great that they're gone, not just from the marriage, not just from their church, but from God altogether, and off they go. Can I please have your promise that if you are an appeaser, that you'll understand that that's not what God has called you to. He's called you to be a peacemaker, not a peace faker. Even if the guy or the woman that you're living with or the people that you work with or the family member that you have a hard time with are peace takers, don't be a peace faker. Be a peacemaker. Are you with me? Is anybody with me? Okay, good. I'll keep going then. <laughs> yeah, Romans uh, 14 helps us understand the, the active nature of, of making peace. It says uh, in verse 19, let us then pursue what makes for peace? You got to go for it. You got to you got to you know chase it. Uh, you got to fight for peace. Let's pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. The way that we pursue peace is is first of all we we set our senses uh, on 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 sensing when peace is not with us in relationships. Especially guys, can I just talk to you for a second? I'm one of you. Um, we're notorious for just kind of being oblivious to when things aren't great. Because we're fine, right? As long as we're fine, everything else has to be fine. Now, ladies, this might be you too, but there's, there's just a certain personality, a certain subset of us that are basically just kind of not sensitive to when peace is not existing. First thing we have to pray to God is, God, help me see where peace is lacking. Help me to sense it. The second thing that needs to happen once we sense it is we got to act on it. we got to do something about what we sense to be true in our relationships. 
Even if we're not even sure where the lack of peace is coming from, we need to have like what Eleanor and I would have in our dates when we were you know, uh, younger in our marriage, still, still do to this day, but, but very typically we'd go out together on our weekly date and our date would start with, how are we doing? Usually I would ask that because I'm the oblivious one, right? How are we doing? And it would be this opportunity if there's been any uh, peace disturbance in our relationship for us over a nice Cracker Barrel breakfast to talk about how we're doing and to move in a direction of being whole. When you ignore the signs and refuse to talk, peace leaves and war takes its place. Eleanor uh, drives a 2008 Honda. I wrote an email about it recently. If you don't get our email, you can sign up for it on our website. But um, our car broke down in the middle of uh, rush hour on Highway 60 uh, last week. I was pushing it, you know, to the, to the parking lot that it could rest in before we could get a tow. Anyway, um, it, it, Eleanor came home that day and said, Mark, I don't think this car is going to drive another mile. I mean, we got to get it to the shop, and, and that's what I was trying to do when it broke down. But uh, do you want to hear the rest of the story on that? Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, uh, Eleanor would uh, start her car around the same time as I would on certain days as we were heading to work, and I'd hear the sounds of her engine. And I'm not a mechanic. But I even know that's not right. Anybody ever heard that car start and it's like making, you know, these kinds of noises? And you're like, well, that doesn't sound normal at all. And so I'd, I'd go over to her window. I said, babe, how long has your car been making that noise? She's like, I don't know, you know, whatever. I, you know, it's just, I just drive it. And I was like, wow, well, we should. And, and it was probably six months ago when we first started hearing the noise. And, and, and what did we say? Well, we should really get that looked at. And what did we do? We really didn't get that looked at until eventually the balloon burst, the bubble popped, the car died, all because we weren't paying attention to the sign. So you have to sense where peace is lacking. You have to be willing to act when peace is lacking. And then when those things happen, what happens in us and for us is that we, we set to, to battle for the sake of peace existing in our world. Sometimes that's owning up to your own failures. A little bit later in the same sermon here in Matthew chapter five, Jesus is talking about how we should be angry, uh, but in a right way. Don't be angry in a wrong way because uh, anger, by the way, is usually a peace eraser. And so he actually talks to guys, uh, to, or to his crowd there that he's talking to, and he says, listen, even if you're in church, look what he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother, look at how he writes it, or says it. He says, has something against you. That means you messed up. You broke the peace. You, you created the strife. If you remember, I sense it, I, I identify it, and that's my fault. If you remember that, here's what he says. Get out of church. So we're like, how do I get out of here? Here's one of the ways the Bible says you can do it. You can leave right now. In fact, I would encourage you, if you know that there's someone in your world right now that you are not at peace with and you're sensing the Holy Spirit saying, I gotta do something about that. I need to go be a peacemaker in that thing. You get a pass. You can stand up right now in this service and walk out those doors and go seek peace because that's what Jesus says. If you're at the altar and you're about to do all that churchy stuff, and you remember that somebody's got something against you because of something that you've done, leave your gift and go. Go be reconciled. Seek shalom with your brother. 
and then come back and be a part of what you are doing in offering up your sacrifices to God. Sometimes it's you that needs to make the move because you messed up, but sometimes it's you that needs to be the instigator of peace, even if you weren't the one that caused the disruption. Luke says this, or Jesus says this in Luke's gospel. Jesus says, pay attention to yourselves, exclamation point. I love that. Pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to your life. Then he talks about strife. He says, listen, man, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And when it says rebuke there, listen, rebuke is not this na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na and nothing after that. Rebuke is, hey, this hurts. Stop doing that. Anybody ever, anybody ever been like play wrestling with someone and you get them in a chokehold and they're like, can't breathe, you know, and, 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 and they have to let you know, hey, this hurts. Whatever's happening here has to stop. Why? So that we can move together in a direction that doesn't hurt. That's what rebuke is. It's not you positioning yourself in some high and mighty spot and just blah, 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 blah. It's you saying, hey, this isn't right. I want us to have shalom. So let me point out the ways that you're hurting me so that we can move forward towards what God has for us. He says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, so, so you, you say, hey, this hurts, and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that hurt. And, and I don't want to do that again. That's what repent means. Repent is not just, I'm sorry. Everybody gets that, right? Repent is, I'll stop. And if they repent, then what's your mission at that point in forgiveness or in, in, in peacemaking is you forgive. Then you say to me, well, what, what if he does it again? That's the next verse. And if he sins against you seven times in the same day, who's had that relationship with someone? We just talked about this an hour ago. You're doing it again. But if they, seven times in a day, turn to you and say, I repent, what's the, what's the instruction? You forgive. Why? Because, listen, look at me. You got to understand that God wants you in your relationships, whether it's your marriage, with your kids, with your friends and coworkers, he wants those relationships to reflect his creative hope, which is wholeness. And if you and I just kind of settle for, meh, and never speak up and just appease and just, uh, you know, uh, fake peace and, and take peace. And, and we're missing out on God's best in his design for us in life. Romans chapter 12 is uh, where I find one of my favorite verses. If possible, verse 18, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everybody in your life. I remember coming up as a young pastor and one of the senior pastors, my, mem- my mentor told me, he said, Listen, Mark, this is what that means. You're responsible to people even though you're not responsible for people. Most of us won't move until we know that the other person's gonna move with us. Most of us won't seek peace unless we're sure that the other person is seeking peace with us too. That's, why, that's not what the, the scriptures teach. The scriptures say, wherever it's possible, as far as it's up to you, you do what you can to live at peace with everybody. Now, that may not be possible because the people that you're seeking peace with may not want it. But don't let that be an excuse for you not to try. By God's grace, he wants to bring about his peace in your life. Eleanor and I had a rough Thursday night. I don't know what you think of pastors. We're people, idiots, whatever you want to call us. All of those labels will fit. And we fight with our spouses 
And Eleanor and I uh, uh, had a good one on Thursday night. We were out to a, a restaurant. And I don't think I raised my voice, but apparently I raised my voice to the point where, could you calm down? Sorry to have to confess that to you. But it just happens. If it happens in your world, it's still not right, but it happens. So I get up the next morning and uh, maybe uh, you, everybody know the passage that says, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. We try to live by that in our house. And so we, we ask the question, are we okay? And we both said we're okay. But sometimes another one of the commandments that we break is we lie. Has anybody ever done that one? Like we know we're supposed to be okay, but really we're not. And so we wake up and we're drinking our coffee. We've got like half an hour to spend with each other before we go our separate ways. And everything that we thought was okay last night apparently isn't because here we go again. And now it's like, let's fight on a clock. We got 15 minutes to sort this out. Anybody want to guess if we did? No, here's how I said I love you that morning, which is what I always say before I leave. I love you! That was not a feeling love. That was a commitment love. I know I'm supposed to, so I love you! And I walked out the door. Anybody been there? Just me? So I'm having a horrible morning. Friday morning's my day off. I'm golfing with my buddies. I'm having a horrible morning. One of them is an elder here at this church. And so at the uh, last hole, I'm still mad. I've been out there for three and a half hours. I am still fried. And I finally, I know I'm, I gotta do something here. So I turn to my buddy, Don, and I say, Don, you gotta pray for me. Because I, I gotta go back to the house and, and back to life with my bride, who I love. But I am so mad right now. And he said, yeah, I'll pray for you, but you know what you're going to do? The first thing you do when you get in your car is you're going to call her. I was like, that's not on the schedule. That is not, that is not what I want to do. Because here's what happens with sin. What happens when there's, when there's no peace? They've got to fix it. This might surprise you, but in most of the arguments I have with my bride, I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm in the good on this one. That's why we're fighting because she's pretty sure I'm not. And so I, I had no intention of making the first move. But God, here's, here's the other thing we get to do as peacemakers. God sent my buddy Dawn into my life to be a peacemaker and, and to remind me to pull my head out and make the first move in bringing about peace in my marriage. And so I mashed the button of my bride on my phone and, and what was my first words? Are we okay? I already knew the answer. No. But we started talking and I apologized for my part and she apologized for her part and I wish I could tell you that everything was fine after the phone call but we got back together later that day and we had a few more things to button up but we are after a, a couple days at the beach with our college and career group that we went and spoke at the retreat. We're good. Just so you know, Mark and Eleanor are fine. But Mark and Eleanor have days, just like you do, where there's no peace. If we have been blessed by the grace of God, and we have in our marriage, uh, it's because he forces us, reminds us, makes it impossible for us to do otherwise. Uh, he leads us into peace to where we can be together. It's kind of like the song that Eleanor... Uh, insisted we have sung at our wedding. Do you remember any of the songs that were, those of you who were married, any of the songs that were played or sung at your wedding? Some of you can't remember your weddings. 
so glad you made it back to church. Good to have you. But anyway, uh, uh, but I, I, I remember this one song because my sister Kirsten, who's a, got a beautiful voice, she sang it uh, in, in the middle of our wedding. It was a song that Eleanor had learned as being a part of a, a, a women's choral society. Uh, and it was uh, basically an old prayer uh, attributed to this guy named St. Francis of Assisi, but he didn't actually write it. It didn't happen during his lifetime. Uh, but it was written, and it certainly embodies his character, and it talks about being an instrument of peace. And so my sister sang these words at our wedding, and I can't tell you how many times in the 29 years that I've been married that this song has had to be prayed in our home again, because this is the prayer of St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. And where there is error, let me bring truth. What a great prayer to pray over your marriage. What a great prayer to pray over your life every day. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me a peacemaker. Because peacemaking has huge rewards. In James chapter 3, it says, the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. There's this great harvest of right things that come when we're at peace with God and with each other. Uh, it says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons or daughters of God. Jesus says, hey, listen, when you're out there making peace, you're like a chip off the old block. Because God is a God of peace. When sin entered the world, God immediately began his ministry of reconciliation. When it was the appointed time, he sent his son, who the Old Testament scriptures describe as the prince of peace. And the angels sang at the night of his birth, glory to God in the highest and on earth. And goodwill towards those on whom his favor rests, right? It tells us in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. That because of Jesus, we now have peace with our heavenly father, with God the father. When Jesus went to the cross, he brokered for us a peace with God. He absolved us, those of us who put our faith in him, absolved us of the guilt of our sin. He took that punishment on himself so that we might have life, peace with his father. And so when you and I act as peacemakers, we're acting like Jesus. We're acting like God the father. We are making things whole, like a chip off the old block. I mentioned this earlier as I was talking, but there's three kinds of people in the world, peace takers. If that's you, you're so wrapped up in yourself, you don't even care if there's peace, you just want yours. I rebuke that in you, love you, but uh, you need an extrication of your cranium so that you can know that that's not the mission in life. There's the peace fakers. They usually find each other. Did you know that? Peace, or peace takers and peace fakers. They, uh, in, in the broken world that we live in, they just kind of find each other. And so the peace taker messes things up. The peace faker appeases and thinks everything's going to be okay. And then eventually, boom! So please, if you're a peace taker, stop. If you're a peace faker, stop! Instead, by the power of the Spirit, become a peacemaker. Last thing is this. It's only going to take a couple seconds. Find some persecution. It says in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom 
of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted. That's a tough one. Everybody with me on that? Like this crowd had to be like, okay, I'm kind of following you with the whole poor in spirit thing, maybe the mourning, maybe the meekness stuff. Certainly hungering and thirsting for righteousness, we can see how that's a good deal. Blessed are those, right? Mercy, yeah, okay. Uh, pure in heart, check. Maybe even this whole peacemaking thing. I can get with that. But what you just said, Carpenter from Nazareth, is blessed are the persecuted. That is absolutely not true. In fact, the reason I climbed this hill to talk or, or to hang out with you is because I've heard that you're the Messiah. And I know from the Old Testament scriptures that the Messiah is gonna be, what they thought, was gonna be a military conqueror. He was going to basically restore Israel, the country, back to its uh, autonomy. And, 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 and you are going to re redeem us, release us from the persecution of the Roman Empire. That's why I'm on the hill. And so you saying to me, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so it is that Jesus, at least here in Matthew's account, says this blessing twice. It's the only one that gets twice. Because I think people are like, what? And so Jesus makes it even more personal the second time. The first time he says, blessed are they, or blessed are those who are persecuted. Look what he does in verse 11. He looks people right in the eye. And he said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He, he ratchets it up. He says, rejoice, not just rejoice, but what? Be glad. Like we can do rejoice, like take joy in trials. You don't have to smile, but you just got to, you know, weather it. You got to go through it because in, inwardly you can have this joy. But, but Jesus says, no, no, no. Rejoice and be glad. He, he borrows from a psalm, Psalm 118. It's where we get this song that many of us grew up singing in the church. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's right ripped out of Psalm 118. If you read the whole of Psalm 118, you know what the psalmist is doing? He's reflecting on all the goodness of God. He's marveling at his creation. He's like, I can't believe that there's a God who's done this, that he's interested in me. This is the day that he made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad. We get that, right? When good stuff happens, when we see good stuff, awe-inspiring stuff, we're like, I'm glad, I'm rejoicing, let's do this. But Jesus comes to this crowd. He says the same emotions, the same feelings that you have when everything around you is at its apex and best are the same emotions you should have when you experience persecution in my name. In uh, Luke's account of this same um, uh, 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 you know, teaching, uh, it says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice in that day. And he takes it up another notch. Leap for joy. I watched some football yesterday. The Gators almost came back on the Crimson Tide. There was a couple of times when I was watching them, you know, score their points. I was like, out of my chair on the couch. All right, we get that. When we're winning... Leap for joy. Jesus says, hey, man, when you're getting persecuted in my name, it's like your team winning the game. Get off the couch. How's that setting with you? 
Well, let's, let's go to the reward. He says in, in verse 10, he says, uh, of Matthew chapter 5, he says, basically, blessed are the per- are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you're reviled uh, and, and all kinds of things are, are done against you. You can rejoice and glad, be glad, verse 12, because the reward for you is great when you get to heaven. Maybe you were here when we talked about the Bema. And in the Bema uh, 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 dramatic presentation, the Bema is this judgment seat that everybody who knows Jesus will stand before. And, and they've already passed through the, the salvation gate, as it were. Now we're just standing with Jesus, and he's rever- reviewing our tape. And he's basically saying, here's the things that I commend in you, the things I celebrate in you. And a lot of those celebrations are going to involve us living for Jesus and taking it on the chin as a result. Next week, we'll talk about being salt and light. Come for that, and we'll discover more on that. God is pleased and will reward those who stand up for him. But here's, here's the even greater one. Anybody uh, got one of these in your, your wallet? It's your ID. Anybody got a, like a license or something that proves who you are? Yeah, when you're getting pulled over by the cops or when you're <laughs> uh, you know, trying to get through TSA, they're going to ask you for one of these, right? This is who I am. Now, what uh, Jesus is saying about persecution is that when you go through it for righteousness sake, you're showing everybody who you're truly with. In fact, in China, did you know this? In China, uh, certain members of the church in China don't really believe that you're truly Christian unless you've been arrested for it. Isn't that an interesting thing? That wouldn't fly in America, thankfully, right? I mean, we're not going to get, you know, dragged out of here by some cops because we believe what we believe. But in China, members of the church who would duck that persecution, lie about their faith in Jesus so as to not come under suffering, they would kind of show their cards. Their ID, well, can't reach it, their ID would say, not really with Jesus, maybe orbiting, maybe interested, but not really with Jesus, not with Jesus enough that I would go to jail for him. Three things as we close. My hope for everybody in here are these three things, that everybody in here, first of all, has peace with God. If you're sitting here this, this morning, you're kind of out on maybe what you grew up believing, or, or maybe this is a whole new thing for you, just you don't really understand, you just came because someone asked. Here's, here's your message today. Before we get into being a peacemaker in the world, you need peace with God. That comes through faith in Jesus, his son. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you need him to broker peace between you and his father. You need him to be your savior. But for those of us who have chosen that and who have peace with God, uh, these two things that we talked about today are on our mission list. We need to seek peace with others. And maybe there's someone in, in your world right now that you know that is not existing in my relationship with this person. Here's your deal. I'll be dawn for you. You need to get in the car right now and make a phone call. You need to begin the process of making peace. The last thing is this. We need to be ready to shine for Jesus in such a way that our light bothers the people who don't know him in our life. Here's what I mean. 
when I was a high school student, I stopped setting my alarm because my mom uh, would come and wake me up in the morning. And the way she would make, wake me up was creative. Uh, the first thing would happen was she'd turn the lights on, right? And so I figured out how to dodge that. I put the pillow over my head and I couldn't see the light. And then she'd come and shake my leg for a second and I would, you know, that whole thing. But then, you know, on, on, usually on the mornings, she'd, she'd leave. So here's what my mom did. One pot, one spoon. And she would just stand over my bed, clang, 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 clang. I love my mother, right? But in that moment, not a fan. Uh, I knew better than to say things that I was thinking, but in my mind, I was persecuting my mother in those situations. Are you with me? May our lives be lived in such a way, not that we're annoying, but that our light is so bright, our message is so clear that the people who don't have it yet are agitated, that there's a chance for a catalyst to happen because we're in the world with them and they see us and it's, it bothers them that we follow Jesus. That's my hope for us. You guys have been really patient. Can we stand? We'll be uh, dismissed in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this chance to talk about these truths. And here's the deal. I'm looking out over a crowd of people, many of them I know and love, uh, know them well. Uh, thank you for uh, your grace to us. Uh, so many in here have peace with you through Jesus Christ, but there's probably some that don't. I pray that those who don't know you yet would, would find you and that it would happen today. Uh, but then for all of us you know, who are you know, seeking to live this life for you and with you, would you make us peacemakers? in the relationships that we have. Keep us from waiting for the other person to make the move. Just help us to go. Help us to be champions, defenders, fighters for peace. And then Lord, by your grace, give us opportunities this week to shine your light in such a way that it bugs people. <laughs> help us to find some persecution so that you can be lifted up in the hearts of those that you've created in love. That's my prayer for us this day. And I prayed in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. God bless you as you go.